In today's episode, you're going to learn some jaw-dropping ADHD tips and tricks that will revolutionize your productivity game. Today's guest unveils the secrets to staying focused, getting things done, and achieving unparalleled success in your business. Here we go. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are joined by an ADHD expert, Christina Proctor. Round two, what's going on? Hey, Jordan. It's great to be here today. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is episode or not episode, but we this is round two of uh, us talking about ADHD, dyslexia, and tips and tricks on how to conquer it. But I know these things take somewhat level of mastery to finally nail down, especially for people listening and like yeah. people like us. So how did you get started with this whole ADHD thing? Yeah. How I got started with the whole ADHD thing. That's such a fun question. Um, I know. Well, I spent about 15 years in corporate America uh, struggling because, you know, I could sprint for an extended period of time and go really fast. And then I just like hit a wall and I knew I had dyslexia and eventually I went in to get retested so I could ask for accommodations at work. And through that testing process, the doctors were like, oh, by the way, you actually have ADHD <laughs> as well as dyslexia. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> and so it was, I went through the different stages of grief, which is like, you know, I went through denial and continuing to white knuckle and think I was like stronger than my ADHD. And then eventually the acceptance kicked in and I started figuring out what it looked like to work with my ADHD and to stop fighting against it. And that's really when I started on the path of where I am now. And so I work, I, my passion, I'm, my passion is working with adults to help them understand that they don't have to live a life of burnout and to work with organizations to help them know how to better support people with ADHD. Now, you say you went and actually got tested for it. Do you think there's a lot of people, including myself, who <laughs> go self-diagnosed versus going somewhere to have a professional evaluate you? Yeah, I think there's validity to both. Um, you don't have to, like to work with me, you don't have to have a formal diagnosis because I think at the end of the day, if symptoms of ADHD resonate with you and the tools that I have, uh, help you get through your day. That's great. And so at the, at the end of the day, it's really all about learning about yourself and how to better support yourself. And so self-diagnosis or formal diagnosis, if you are either one of those, they're both valid in my and book. Yeah. And you mentioned going through like stages of grief and things like that. Did you ever question it? Like, did you ever question having ADHD and dyslexia? Like, even though the symptoms mm. matched up, you were like, that can't be it. That there's no way I have this. Yeah, no, I definitely did go through that in my mind because that whole stigma of what ADHD looks like was deeply seared in my brain. It was you know, a little white boy in second grade, not able to sit still. Um, and it's like, well, I'm a full grown 30 something woman. Like, why is this just now coming out? Like, this is not a thing. And as I did more research and understood how ADHD manifests, especially in females, I realized that, yeah, um, I definitely have ADHD and have been masking it heavily for a very long time. And that's what took up all my energy. And in your research, do you think ADHD and dyslexia affects men and women different? It can. Um, and so dyslexia, I don't know if that necessarily manifests or impacts people differently. I think when it comes to ADHD, when we think about how males and females stereotypically are socialized, especially mm -hmm. in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, uh, you know, girls growing up, we're socialized to, you know, be, be this quiet, like you don't want to be too big and boys were allowed to be a little bit more rambunctious. And so even if I was, um, exhibiting ADHD hyperactivity, um, I would probably be redirected more to sit down, be calm and quiet. And so girls also, 
usually are diagnosed more with the inattentive type. Hmm. And so that's way more common. And so whether that is because we are literally more inattentive type, or if we're socialized to hold back and mask that hyperactivity, I don't have the answer for that. I can just speculate like my experience. And so typically women or females or AFABs assigned female at birth are diagnosed with ADHD inattentive type. And so that's where basically our hyperactivity is more in our brain. And so we can be described as aloof, or I was described as airheady or daydreaming. And it's just like, that's not completely, it's basically ADHD people that diagnose it or go into the DSM are writing the diagnostic symptoms based on how the person who has ADHD is, you know, showing externally. And so how we're perceived is how those symptoms are written. And I guess in your experience, when, is there any studies or anything that you know when it comes to ADHD and dyslexia of why sometimes it manifests later in life? Because with me, I was, I felt like I was fine through school because I can remember in Mm -hmm. elementary school, I, I I was a huge, I know what it is now, but I was coping, but I was like cheating. I was like a master cheater and it's, and just, I I just didn't know at the time because it wasn't really talked about like it Mm -hmm. is now, but even now I still think there's a lot of institutions, schools are still not up to par when it, when it comes to handling how our brain works. Um, but I didn't notice it until I was in my like career in broadcasting and I couldn't read a telepo- a teleprompter with a clear read. And my news director asked me, he's like, I don't understand. You can do these live shots, no script, talk forever. But when the words are right in front of you, you just can't, you can't have a clean read. And he's like, I don't get it. And I was like, I don't either. So I just Googled like, why am I, I can't even remember mm-hmm. what I Googled, but it was just like something dyslexia. I was like, that's not it. There's no way. Right. Cause I felt like I'd be dealing with it like my whole life. And I would have noticed, but after I, you know, you start to accept it, you're like, Oh, Mm-hmm. that's what it is. And then, you know, I don't know. It's, it's crazy how it manifests it later in life. And so there are um, studies off the top of my head. I can't think of anything specific. However, I can tell you based on my experience as a coach and as somebody who has ADHD and dyslexia, when you think about, and they have done studies and know that um, specifically in women, it is challenging for the ADHD diagnosis because typically women are brushed off with ADHD because of what I affectionately call the just diagnosis, which means that as we age, our hormones change, Hmm. whether, and it hormones change for men too, right? And for women, it's, oh, you're just in PMS. Oh, you're just a newlywed. Oh, you're just having, this is just what it's like to have kids or, and it's, oh, you're just in perimenopause. And so they justify the, you know, the lack of inability to keep up with things, the disorganization and all those things on your current life experience and where you are in your life. So that being said, that's sometimes why people are not diagnosed on time. Cause it definitely happens for men too. Um, The other thing, the other reason why it like manifests differently as we get older is because we have change, we have transitions, our responsibilities change, not just from like being a kid and in college is very different than having an apartment, a full-time job, demands and personal stress. Those challenges are very different. And for somebody with an ADHD brain, those transitions can be so large, even especially after the novelty wears off because our brains are activated by four key things. And one of them is novelty. And so as we age and we have more responsibility and our body's changing and our hormones are changing, and then our brain chemistry is impacted by that. So yeah, the symptoms are going to start getting worse. And when we're able to stay up until two o'clock in the morning, writing papers or hitting work deadlines, that's not sustainable long-term for our entire life. And we start to beat ourselves up that we can't sustain that. And the fact of the matter is, is that you really couldn't sustain it before you were just masking your ADHD with that success. And so at the end of the day, 
you're left holding this receipt of like, I need to rest. I need to do all these things. And we're telling ourselves we shouldn't have to. And in actuality, as we get older, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. I'm getting flashbacks from high school when I get a project <laughs> is due in a month yeah. and I, the night before it's due at like 10, 11 o'clock sometimes when, it, when like the world mm-hmm. shuts off, I just hammer through to like two or three in the morning. Yeah, that's- well, and Thomas, the thing about that too, is it's really important to recognize that our, our rhythms for rest are very different than the rest of the world. And sometimes at night is when we can finally focus because the hum of the day is, is lower. So we don't have as many, not just pings on our phone, but just it's quiet. And so we can kind of think and process and really hyper-focus. And so sometimes that is difficult too, because our sleep rhythm is different from the rest of the world's. So it's procrastination and when we can calm down and rest. So there's lots of pieces there. Now, when it comes to ADHD and dyslexia, and you're, you're talking about how our brains shut off at night mm-hmm. so we can get things done and the hum of the world is gone, is it possible with the right training to somehow make it so where the day doesn't hum during normal business hours so we can get things done in the morning and afternoon and free up our nighttime? The reality is, is that our brains are different and to be able, if you're wanting to function quote unquote normally as everybody else, that that's not going to happen. I say that to people. Yeah. And and that's, people hate it when I say that. Yeah. And it's true. What you are able to do is to start identifying how to work with your brain. So if you know that, for example, that you work best between the hours of 9am and 11am and you need to take a break have some lunch, and then you work really well from one to three. And then from three to seven, you can't do anything. Don't work during those hours if you're able to do that. So really it's about learning your rhythms and what your body needs. And that goes into energy management. And so people who are working a regular Monday through Friday, nine to five, there might be a situation where maybe instead of taking a noon lunch, you take one at two o'clock and you tell your boss, I work best when I can work between these hours, take a late lunch, and then I can come back for a couple hours to wrap up the day. Hmm. And so really learning what those rhythms look like so that you can work when you best work. Interesting. Yeah. And for people who have ADHD and dyslexia or one or the other, what, when you talk about like energy management and it's their Mm -hmm. first time hearing it, how would you describe it? I would describe it I would describe I would describe energy management as a tool that you can use to learn to work with your ADHD and with your mind and your body so that you can be successful in the things you want to be successful in. So it's really learning what's important to you by setting goals and understanding what you are able to do realistically and what you need to reshift your focus on. And I know you're working with a lot of clients now with energy management, with people who do have dyslexia and ADHD. So how do you walk them through their typical day to kind of help them with their energy management? Oh, this is such a fun question. So this is the very first thing. Energy management is the first thing I do when I work with a new client. And so the first thing we do is we set up an energy tracker where they track their energy for 28 days. And during that process, we identify high, low, and medium energy levels. We uh, also put in a notes section for each day, high level things that they did. So we can start recognizing patterns. So maybe after three high energy days, you're going to have one low energy day. Maybe you recognize that when you have a meeting with your boss, the next day you have low energy. So we work through 28 days of data. During that process, we identify routines that we want to set because the goal with routines is to, like in the morning, we want to lessen the the demand on your executive functioning because ADHDers have executive dysfunction. It takes a lot of energy just to do, you know, basic day-to-day tasks. And it's just the truth. (laughs) And, And so we work together to create the ideal routine and create small steps to get there. 
um, as simple as what are some, and then we identify friction points. So those are the first three steps we do. Energy management tracker, um, we, where we recognize patterns. The second thing we do is identify the ideal routine. And the third is an ideal routine and routines that are realistic. And then the third thing we do are identifying friction points, what's preventing you from having that routine now. And sometimes the friction point is people think that they can do three hours worth of things in one because time blindness is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny because, yeah, it's like, yep, uh uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Even as you're, I'm like self-diagnosing myself right now, just on going <laughs> through energy levels because that's how it is yeah. with ADHD and that's dyslexia, right. and it's just yeah. There's days where I I feel like I could r- just do a marathon of yeah small tasks, big tasks, and then there is days where there is not an amount you could pay me to get the motivation <laughs> to go do stuff. And then when you try to do it, it mm-hmm. is it is like you've got a hundred pound pack on your chest and that's you right. just cannot move. That's right. And, and that's so, one of the important things to really accept about yourself is on low energy, what does a low energy day look like? And allow yourself that space to rest. And so what do you do on a low energy day? Do you just, I mean, we have to, stuff has to be done. So it's like, well, what do we do? So on a low energy day, what I recommend with people is identify what are high energy tasks and low energy tasks. So that way, if you are feeling like a low energy day, you might still have deadlines and you still address them, but maybe you have a project that you were hoping to work on and like really deep work, you might say, I have to pause this and you're going to address some other, maybe there's administrative tasks that you do really well on low energy where it really is just reviewing, clicking, cleaning out your inbox. And so on low energy days, you do the tasks that you can focus on. And on high energy, you do the things that you really enjoy doing that really embrace your high energy. And once you have this 28, 30 day energy data, what would be the next step after that? Once you have that data, it's all about recognizing patterns within your energy tracker. So if you can, when you go in there, you can identify, Hey, I noticed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm always low energy. Oh, because Sundays I have, you know, X, Y, and Z all day long, even though that's my day off. And Mondays is an all day meeting day with my, the people who report to me. So Mondays all day. So of course, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm exhausted. So I need to prepare for that. Either I need to spread out my meetings on Monday, or I need to be okay with Tuesday being a low energy work day, meaning I don't have meetings and I'm focusing on the things that I can work on when I'm low energy. So that's really, it's all about identifying those patterns and how you can start accommodating versus forcing yourself to work through it. You want to lean into the current a little bit. So just like when you're swimming in the ocean, right? Like if you fight the current, you're, it's, it's not going to be a good situation. So if you go with it and you're able to come out of the low energy a lot sooner and not as angry at yourself. And how, I mean, I'm sure you've seen all sorts of anger through your clients working through this process. Where do people usually get snagged in this 30-day energy um, data capturing process? They get snagged when it comes to when we identify the ideal routine and they're like, okay, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And I'm like, time out. We're not going to do the ideal scenario tomorrow because your energy management tracker says that you are constantly low energy. So they get snagged at the, at the fact that they can't wake up and suddenly have this brand new lifestyle because they have the data. So we do, they get snagged at the fact that we do one thing at a time. And so it's confusing. Cause it's like, what do you mean? I just need to get up and brush my teeth first thing. Well, we're starting a morning routine and that takes one step. And so the first step for the next five days is to brush your teeth, get out of bed and just brush your teeth. If you get back in bed, we'll address that. If you get up and get moving, we'll address that too. And so they get snagged at the fact that they can't just go because we have to identify 
friction points along the way. And it can feel like I'm, I'm holding you back with a rope when in actuality we're, we're pacing ourselves so that we don't get exhausted again. Man. Yeah. That's the, I can feel, like I said, it's just (laughs) any, even the first time we had these conversations, it's like, you're looking into my soul, you know, because yeah. I could, I could just feel like everything that you're saying, I'm just like, ah, oh, frustration. And you bring up an interesting quote, and I, and I don't know if this is like this for you when people are saying like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it tomorrow, or I'll just do it tomorrow. Yeah. That yeah. phrase, just it is, yeah. Oh, that is a frustrating phrase. Mm-hmm. It is very frustrating, and I think the ADHD community as a whole, it resonates with us so much. Because we feel like if we don't get everything done perfectly on day one, we can always do it tomorrow. And then every day is tomorrow. And taking that first step, that one step is really what we're looking at because you can show yourself. It's like, okay, I did it three days in a row and then I got sick for three days. I can pick it back up. And really the goals with this routine is to give you a roadmap to get back on. I was sick for three weeks in March recently. And then I was confused why my whole world was a mess. Like I couldn't get back into it. And then I realized it's like, I have a routine and I, I have my routine written down and I literally had to go back and be like, okay, I get out of bed and I do this. And then I take out the dogs and then I make myself breakfast and feed the dogs. Cause I had to, I couldn't remember. And that's, that's the ADHD brain. And it basically gives you a roadmap to get back on track. And it gives you permission to deviate off track because you can get back on again. And when you were sick for three weeks, was your anxiety (laughs) at just like an all time high knowing (laughs) that your stuff wasn't getting done? The funny thing about that is no. I'm actually shocked to hear you say it, but I know you're going to. I'm hiding down here. If you're listening like on yeah, if you're watching on, on like YouTube. Apple Podcasts, I'm like diving down below from <laughs> where the screen can't see me because yeah. So here's the reason why. Um, my anxiety, yes, it was there and it was very present. And I knew if I fought myself to try to quote unquote feel better quicker, I was gonna be sick for a lot longer. So like I've set up my business in a way. I worked, I've worked with two business coaches since I started. And um, one of them was focused on, you know, setting up automation, really setting up an evergreen success. Latisse Hudson's team does a great job with that. And then I worked with another business coach. uh, Melanie Fixes Mindsets is her um, coaching practice. And she helped me set up like content focus, setting up your business for success and from an ADHD perspective. So I was able to be in a space mentally and emotionally where it's like, I I still had to do little things here and there. I still needed to do some stuff, but I was okay being sick for three weeks. I've had, it's taken me a little bit longer to get back in my routines and I'm just now getting back into it, but I've done it in a way and set my life up in a way where I, I can get better in three weeks. And how long did it take yourself to train yourself how exactly to turn off that anxiety. It's like, it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect and it can be done tomorrow. Yeah. In a good way, right? In a good way. In a good way. Not yeah. So I mean, that is an ongoing practice for me. And I think this is one of the first times in my life where I've been like that. So it's, you know, I, I'm an ADHD or two. I'm doing this journey as well. I haven't mastered or gotten rid of my ADHD. That's not a thing that I believe in. And so this was probably the first time where I've been sick like that and the anxiety was present, but I was able to say, it's okay. It will get done or it will be deprioritized. And I can, I can focus on rest and getting better. And you mentioned, you know, going through routines and lists and data and tracking, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of because I feel like if you don't track your progress, then you, yeah. you either stay in the same place, get worse, or just nothing happens. Yeah. Right. Um, to some people who don't have ADHD or dyslexia and to track literally everything we're mm-hmm. doing all the time, 
Do you ever get pushback when people are like, that just sounds exhausting? Am I just going to be tracking my entire life just to feel quote unquote normal? Yeah. So really we don't, uh, that tracking is really just for the first month or two. Hmm. The the point is to start being self-aware that it's like, oh, I'm in really high energy right now. That's why I'm having trouble doing my administrative tasks because doing administrative tasks during high energy for me, I absolutely not. Absolutely not. Getting on the phone with my internet provider to dispute a charge, you can kiss that rebate goodbye. <laughs> like it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so really it's about recognizing. And so we are self-aware. ADHDers typically grow up you know, um, very self-aware of when we're being quote unquote a lot and nobody, I'm here to tell you that nobody is too much, by the way. Um, I battle that too. Um, but it's really learning about, okay, why am I having trouble doing this? Is it a moment of overwhelm? Am I low energy? Is this rejection sensitivity or is this high energy? So it's really learning about how to identify what you are in that moment, why you're having a challenge. So it's not a long-term thing that you have to do. Um, it's really in that initial phase. Yeah. And especially with like entrepreneurs, because that the <laughs> yeah. whole ADHD dyslexia mixed with entrepreneurship, which requires mm -hmm. so many moving pieces. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if anybody can relate to this, it's us because one, and I told you this off camera, it's like, once I get so overwhelmed, it's like, I just want to either throw in the towel or yeah. when there's multiple things that need to be done, my brain, it's like, it's really hard to just track everything, especially like I said, if learning funnels, learning Facebook advertising, learning SEO, right. YouTube, production, shooting, writing, editing, and now this whole chat GBT thing, it's like, there's just so much that needs to be done just on a learning scale and a business scale. So how has right. it been working with entrepreneurships who have ADHD and dyslexia? So I think we talked about this before, but for those listening, ADHDers have a 300% higher likelihood of, of becoming an entrepreneur. So we have 300% higher chance of doing that, right? So working as an entrepreneur with ADHD, when our brains are activated by urgency, novelty, uh, passion, and competition, like those, that is entrepreneurship. Urgency, things need to happen now and I need to do them. Novelty, everything is new almost all the time when it comes to things you need to do. Competition, when it comes to sales and development and um, passion and interest, if you are literally interested in what you're doing, you're living that every day. It doesn't mean that you don't have boring tasks, that, that happens. But learning to work, it's all about energy management for entrepreneurs and learning how to get through those high and low energy and then there's a more recent um, work that I've been doing with people that I've been working with, specifically entrepreneurs, because I work with corporate, I work with managers, and I work with some entrepreneurs. And um, the biggest tip I give people that we work through over the course of a couple of weeks is AEM, which is what can you automate, what can you eliminate, and what can you delegate? Because we might be interested in learning how to build funnels, for instance, or how to edit video. And we might get to a point where we're like, I'm done. This is no longer fun. I'm not interested in anymore. And in those moments, I ask them, is this something you can automate? Is it something you can eliminate? Or is this something you can delegate? Because sometimes at the end of the day, the things that we're annoyed with, you might be able to stop doing it. Like posting on Twitter, there might be some content you can start repurposing instead of writing that from scratch, even though you used to enjoy that. Um, is it there's an autom there are tons of automation tools that you can build when it comes, especially like with chat GPT, you know, identifying different types of uh, content ideas for your business and where that automates directly into a Google Sheets. So you can go in there and pull it and put it into Canva. And then what can you delegate? Is there somebody that you can hire or somebody that you currently work with that you can have them do the work? So AEM, automate, eliminate, delegate. I love, I love that. And it's funny because you see mixed reviews about chat GBT. And to be honest, like yeah. 
I, I start poking around. It's so weird. And I don't know if this is like this for you. So let me know. And I know everybody's different, but with people who have ADHD and dyslexia, I feel like chat GBT is just almost like this weight lifter that lifts a lot of stuff yeah. off shoulders because I can, mm-hmm. my brain, the way it processes, I could like tell chat GBT, like what I'm thinking, what I'm doing and be so specific. That's and right. then it like spit it, like it translates what's in my brain to paper. And I just started right. messing with it. I'm just like, where have you been all my life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause it, so, it tr- like I can't, like I just said, I can just be, Everything that's in my head, I could just to the line, like bullet point after bullet point is being specific as possible. And I can't come up with a title or a headline or just anything that requires writing like pen to paper. I'll sit there and I've just never been a strong writer. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I just tell chat GBT everything I'm thinking and just to the, to the T and it just spits out what I'm thinking. I'm like, Oh, that's what I'm trying to say. That's right. Yeah. So I have my clients use ChatGPT and it's for the exact reason you did from an entrepreneurship uh, perspective, we can go in there and say, I would like for it to have this tone, fun and empowering. And I would like to cover these three points. The, this is the detail behind it. This is the copy I've started. And what, what do you have for me, ChatGPT? And so you can go in there and have that type of approach. Um, I believe that the copy still needs nuance usually and different direction. It doesn't mean that it's all copy paste. Um, it doesn't mean we don't still need copywriters could, because a great copywriter is worth their weight in gold 100%. and you can take that. And it's also about ideation. So coming up with, with titles, coming up with ideas for content, you can use it as a brainstorming partner. That's something uh, I work with, um, entrepreneurs as well as corporate creatives, being like, this can be, if you don't have anybody that you can like look over and like have that conversation with, um, ChatGPT can be great for that. When it comes to working in corporate, when you're talking about scripts, emails, or anything like that, um, I recently worked with a client when it came to writing a proposal. And the challenge with writing the proposal was that we sometimes as neurodivergence are very direct. So people who have ADHD or autism, um, we can be a little bit too direct sometimes or blunt and for people who either don't know us well or anything like that. And ChatGPT is really good also to check tone. So you can send an email, you can go into ChatGPT and say, I am writing an email to a colleague. Will you please check for if there are any underlying tones or what underlying tones are present in this email. And it can go in there and it'll say, you know, it's not always completely on point, but it'll say, this is professional. You list out the points and you have a call to action and you have an engaging ending that empowers them to ask questions. It's like, okay, cool. That's what I wanted to convey. Um, And so I work with my corporate clients to say, if you're wondering how you're coming off, ChatGPT can help you do that. Grammarly is also a tool that organizations have where it can check tone too. So AI is not just about, you know, taking jobs away. It's also about helping people improve communication. And so you're using that tool for the same thing. And my clients are using it to ensure that they're maintaining relationships and that there's not an underlying tone. And that being said, it doesn't mean that we can't be ourselves. It just means there are some moments where you know that you want to be very clear in what you're communicating and utilizing those tools is wonderful. Yeah. I use, I'll set the tone before I like hit the enter button. It's like, I want this email to be the tone of this email to be short to the point and super Mm -hmm. professional, but maybe a little humor in it. And then you know, hit enter. Like I had a PR company that's here in Atlanta reach out to me several times for, I mean, they reach out to me all the time. They spam the crap out of my emails. Mm -hmm. And every time like a big celebrity person is coming out, you know, with a new, like, let's just say somebody's promoting a new book. If somebody's 
promoting a new book, they will talk to anybody who listen. They will go on radio yeah. shows, podcasts, TV, morning radio, whatever. And I ask them, like, at least this is like the 10th time. I'm like, well, are they open for interviews? And then they're like, no. So it's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> so I was just like, you know, Chad GBT, like, can you write me a short, like I explained this whole situation just like I mm-hmm. did with you. Yeah. And I wanted to be firm, direct, and not, I can't even remember what I put, but it was very sh- sharp and professional to say, like, listen, I have done this for 10 years. This is how it works. Please take me off your list. Like, you guys mm-hmm. have denied me so many times. And it just wrote yeah. it perfect. Well, not perfect. I had to go in and obviously uh, spruce it up a little bit, but man, it was, it's like the best thing ever, but which worries me too, because this is kind of what Uber did with the taxi space is they Mm. undercut them big time and got people relied on them and then jacked and then jacked up the price while it's killing, they just killed the taxi company. But now right. it's just taxi 2.0. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing that concerns me a little bit because all of a sudden they're going to be like, yeah, $5.99 plans. Tw-. Like everything's a subscription base now. And it's just like, right. holy smokes, before you know it, you're paying just ridiculous amounts. But for people with ADHD and dyslexia, I think that if it eventually will probably have a paywall, I will be happy to pay because there is nothing more frustrating than having all these ideas in your head that you cannot put to paper. And I think that's a really good point. So like even from my dyslexia purview, being able to make sure that spelling is correct, that it's grammatically correct, that's always been my challenge. And as neurodivergent people, we recognize patterns and sometimes those patterns aren't clear to people. And we, we recognize them and feel the pattern. We don't always know how to communicate it in ways that other people understand. So yeah, I completely agree with you that ChatGPT is great for that, to be able to put that pen to paper, so to speak. Yeah, and it's so funny you keep mentioning Grammarly. I don't know if you remember this because I'm pretty sure we're around the same age. Do you remember when it was free? Like Grammarly yeah. was like built in. I remember there was times where I was like writing a paper the word was nowhere near what it was supposed to be. And it's like, oh, you meant this. I was like, yeah, click. And then just as the years went by, it just got crappier and crappier and crappier. Mm. And now all of a sudden, Grammarly. And it's like, but you know, the low rate of $7.99, it's like, come on. <laughs> uh, I'm pushing 40. So I don't remember Grammarly in uh, 2005 when I was writing papers in college. But um, I... Yeah, I really wish I would have had that in school. That would have been great. All I remember is, you know, very basic spell check in Word, which is not the same thing as like the grammar checks that those things do. Now, like but, yeah. I said, we're, we're I'm I'm pushing forty two. I got a birthday yeah. coming up, so I feel <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, no, I just remember stuff like that, and then like the paper clip on the the oh, animated paper. Yeah, Clippy. That's that's his name. <laughs> That's his name. It's good times. Yeah. Um, but now how is this transferred into your content? Cause I know, mm-hmm. I know you're just yeah. crushing it on Instagram and TikTok and things like that. How, uh, how has that been going for you? And, uh, what, I guess, tips and tricks do you have for other ADHDers and people with dyslexia for creating uh, short form and or long form content? Yeah. So, the biggest thing that I, it, with my uh, second coach, one of the things that she worked with me on, which I hold on to every day. And one of the reasons I was able to jump back into my work after I was sick is the concept of low energy content and, and high energy content and batching, which is what you and I have talked about before. And so low energy content are on TikTok, for example, are the stitch type videos, blind react videos. You don't have to necessarily, um, you know, get ready or have a script or have specific content in mind, but you can, you can blind react to things. It can be on trend, uh, you know, doing B roll with text overlay. So low energy content and have that in my 
um, drafts. And then I do high energy content when I'm really feeling it, when I'm feeling, and it's usually after I do interviews like this or do a lot of coaching, I feel very inspired. And so I'll go in and I'll record two, three, four, five high energy content pieces with um, information that, you know, I talked about in coaching that day. And so when you have ADHD and you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to do content, I would say thinking about batching and high energy and low energy content so that that way you're not feeling like you have to create it on the day of, because that puts you in a position where you just start to like really dislike it instead of embracing it when you have the energy. And so this is energy management for your business, right? So high energy and low energy content um, and producing it that way. The other thing I do is I do have a Mac. And so one of the things I do is writing captions is the thing I absolutely hate. However, they're critical for TikTok because the search engine optimization is real. And there are people that are using TikTok as a search engine. So it's important. People may not necessarily be reading the full caption, but TikTok and Google are. So what I use is I do use ChatGPT. So I say, this is the content. These are the three points I want to make. These are the hashtags I want to include. What you got, ChatGPT? I put it, you know, nuance it a little bit. I take it. I put it in the notes app on Apple, which syncs with my phone, copy paste right into TikTok. So I've created workflows, high energy, low energy content, getting the caption on there um, that have really streamlined getting that stuff done because I don't have to do it all myself. And that's one of the biggest things. So that's all about the automation. What can you automate? What can you eliminate? What can you delegate? That was so, my next question. That was yeah. my next question is how much of it is automated? What have you eliminated? And what was the last one? What have I delegated? Delegated. Yes. So there are some things that I do. Um, so automation. So I do use the tool Zapier. I haven't used it when it comes to creating content or anything like that. Um, I do use it when it comes to connecting like my CRM system with my, my email system so that things are updated automatically. Um, but when it comes to, I have eliminated thinking that I need to write all the copy myself. And so I delegate slash, you know, to ChatGPT, you know, with my discretion. And so ChatGPT does do that. And so that's, that's what I use for um, delegating. That's awesome. And then honestly, I have eliminated working in some social platforms. And so I've prioritized TikTok and Instagram. I'm expanding into YouTube and LinkedIn, but that content's being repurposed. So in a way that's also automating. So I don't have to reinvent the wheel in all of those. Yeah. And that, and that kind of, uh, I, I kind of, that's what I talk to my clients. Your audio. That is oh, me. did you, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Ooh, wait, Whoop. testing, <laughs> testing one, two, three. There we go. There can we you go. I can still hear you. Awesome. Sorry about that. No, I think your AirPods died. They did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, um, yeah, I'll just pick up right where you left off. I think we were talking. Um, we were just talking about shit. I had it. Where'd it go? Uh, what were we just talking about? Uh, I was talking about what I have automated, eliminated yes, yes. as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the multiple platforms. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you were talking about being on multiple platforms and not feeling like you're, you have to be ev everywhere. And that's what I talk to a lot with my clients. I've actually named it the Gary V catastrophe, <laughs> because if you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're on the internet or if you're on the internet anywhere, he's just like, Oh, you got to post now his new thing is, Oh, you got to do Facebook stories, uh, YouTube shorts and TikTok. That's great. But I always like, I love Gary, but there's just some things where it's like, I've done that. I've tried to be everywhere. And that is the fastest way to burn out. And if you have yeah. ADHD or dyslexia, that is the even quickest way Oof. to burn out. And it's not, and it becomes, yeah. it's not fun anymore. Right. And that just will, like, if that works for some people, Mazeltov, you do you, but what people don't, 
I don't know if people know, but Gary's got like a 25 person team doing all this. Like it's just, it's insane. So, and that's what I talk about is my like expertise is YouTube and it's like, just start with one and then start expanding. Now, if whatever you're doing, you're doing, if you're getting clients from Instagram and TikTok, then I use Instagram and TikTok, but it's just like, like pick two if you have to, um, And the beauty of, and we've talked about this before too, is if you're on YouTube, YouTube shorts are 60 seconds. So you can take that 60 second clip and put it anywhere. So it's just like, if you're already repurposing for YouTube or just using YouTube, you can repurpose it elsewhere, like Mm -hmm. TikTok as well. Like I've got, and if I had to pick two, I'd probably do YouTube And TikTok, my Instagram, I just, I gave up. I'm just like, okay, this is, but like I said, if it's working for you, then I can't say there's nothing I could say. It's like wherever your audience is, just go. But if you're just starting out, start with one and then expand. Don't get into that whole stress feeling like you need to be everywhere because it's just, it's not going to happen. That's right. And I, that is some of the best advice. And sometimes if you don't know where to start doing really understanding, like you said, who your audience is, and then you can figure out which platform to start with. And sometimes it's all about being where you're comfortable. So if you're more comfortable on certain platforms and starting there is, is a good way to just begin. Uh, the biggest advice I give to, especially ADHD entrepreneurs is, you know, start and start messy. And because we have a tendency to focus on perfect because, you know, we have rejection sensitivity. We've been redirected so much since we were kids. We want to start and we're really good at planning and it's the starting and completing. It's like those bookends, right? Like in the middle, we can kind of like make our way through. It's, it's getting to that starting line and then staying interested enough to get to the finish line. And so really starting messy and being okay with, the journey along the way is, is the biggest thing. And that takes, that takes practice. Lots and lots of practice. But like I mentioned before, I, I, I will still stand, I will die on the hill that everyone should start with YouTube just because is the world's largest search engine. It's owned by Google Ain't going anywhere, but but I think people get overwhelmed with YouTube and everything. But they're doing a very good job, and like now instead of uh, like stitching on TikTok, they have mm. remix, and I love that type of content mm. because okay. it's it's the same it's the same thing, and it's you don't okay. they're making it so easy to provide value without having to set up all these lights, cameras, yeah. teleprompters, chat GBTs, like you can literally just whatever your expertise is. That's my fan of content. I call it educational reaction content. Mm, like that's cool. Yeah. So so what I do is I will since I teach or I help entrepreneurs and podcasters uh get, you know, get more leads with podcast interviews, I will find a podcast on the internet like a popular one, which is like mixing with trend surfing, which is a mm-hmm. whole nother topic, which, well, trend surfing, yeah. you're, that's self-explanatory, but I'll just sit there for like an hour and watch the interview and just react to it. And then that's one long piece of content for an hour. And then that chops up into about, it depends how many times I stopped yeah. anywhere between 30 and 60 times. And then you just repurpose that. So it's it, like I said, reactional, reactional educational content is the way to go. I think just to keep it insanely simple without getting overwhelmed with tech. Well, and you know, I mean, I'm a YouTube convert now because my most recent client came from our YouTube podcast we did not that long ago. And then I have another conversation with somebody who found me that way too. So that is not necessarily a platform that I've utilized. And clearly that is something that I need to be putting more effort into because I've gotten more like really qualified leads from just that one video. That's awesome. And so I need to, I would benefit from uh, really investing more time in YouTube. 
So can you walk me through what happened? Because yeah. like I said, this is so valuable. And it just, yeah. when you sent me the email telling me that you got clients from our podcast interview, it just like validated that this is what yeah. I'm supposed to be doing. Because it's just, yeah. not only is it valuable for myself, I get to scratch that itch of like, I love interviewing people. But this is what I keep telling entrepreneurs and podcasters who are trying to monetize their podcast is to triple, quadruple down on interviews because you just don't know who's watching. But mm -hmm. what happened when we did the interview, I posted it and I the new way for me to provide values to give away all my clips, just give away the final product. Don't care if you tag me, whatever, as long as yeah. it helps you. But what happened? So what happened was that somebody, um, I, two confirmed people, but other, I know other people have found me that way too. Um, it's just, they've translated that over to having conversations on TikTok. So, but basically somebody, uh, two entrepreneurs were searching for ADHD and productivity, um, trying to improve their productivity in their businesses and knowing that they're ADHD. And so what happened was that they, they found me through your video. And then they also, through that, they found some of my other content and they emailed me cold. I had people emailing me cold and that has never happened before. <laughs> so this was a new experience for me in the past. It's been, you know, people reaching out to me on Instagram or TikTok, typically from ads or direct calls to action about like how to receive one of my, I have several um, products that are available for free because I have the same mantra as you. It's like, I give away all of the stuff that I talk about in coaching where I provide value for people is making a unique program just for them and walking them through that process and helping them work through any challenges or friction points specifically unique to them. And so we, we work through it that way. So how that happened to receive a cold email from who's now a client, um, it was eye opening for me. And I had not had that happen before. So thank you. Is what I, want to say. <laughs> I no, you're welcome. I, I love it. Like I said, if I could, that's, uh, that's uh, when you it's seriously, it just warmed my heart is like, even if it didn't close, it still got to a point where it yeah. was a sales call. And like I said, if it doesn't close, you still get to learn whatever you learned from that sales call for the next one. And right. Well, I mean, they, they, one of them did close, but I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, yeah. Even, <laughs> that's <laughs> even better because it's like, right. yeah. Uh, and it's just, like I said, I mean, how to videos, I talk about this in my content too, where it's just, I, I get exhausted doing them. I don't mind yeah. doing them, but I would rather do this and just do this all day just to like, Sh showcase expertise, but I could talk to you about this forever, but I know just in case people do want to reach out to you, I'm going to leave it. If you're watching on YouTube or you're listening, going to provide all your contact, uh, down below, but where can people find you? They can find me on neurodivergentventures.com, um, on, or on TikTok and Instagram where I am. The handle is the same, which is ADHD coach Katina. Awesome. Christina, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we look forward to more. I look forward to more conversations like this. So uh, like you said, anytime you want to, you got something new. I know entrepreneurs, especially with entrepreneurs with dyslexia, ADHD, or both will definitely, uh, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun.